Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Good morning, church family. I hope that you're doing well today. It's an honor to be here with you. And, you know, let's have a dialogue right now. I want to ask you a question. How are you doing, honestly? Honestly. Are you coming in here today on a spiritual high, feeling good about the new year? Maybe you started off a Bible reading plan at... 1201 January 1st, and you're already done through Leviticus? That's pretty impressive. Maybe you've crushed your resolutions and your streak is going strong. Maybe you're coming in today and you're doing real well. But maybe you're coming in here and you're limping a little bit. Maybe realistically you're coming in and you're feeling like New year, same old you, and you've blown it. And in your mind, this was not a successful week for you. That you've already dropped the ball, and you've already messed up. And you're coming in here today, and you're kind of, well, you're kind of unsure. Unsure if there's hope. Unsure if God's really going to meet with you in some way. So if that's my first question, how are you doing, honestly? My second question builds upon the first. My second question would be, well, in light of your answer, how do you think that God feels about you? I didn't say... What do you know about God's unconditional love? I'm saying, what do you think? What do you actually feel? What Coming in here today, if you're walking in on a spiritual high or you're limping in today, how does your experience make you think about the way that God feels about you? See, because sometimes we come in and we're thinking to ourselves... What? What's this guy talking about? Of course God loves me. Uh, have you seen me? In fact, the rest of these people better get their act together. But maybe you're coming in here today and you're limping in and you would say, I think I, I know that God loves me, but I don't feel it. I feel like I've messed up so bad yet again that he must be so angry, so frustrated with me. Well, what I want to do today is to look at a passage from, yes, Mark chapter one, (laughs) where we see the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus toward those who aren't doing too well. Now, if you're able, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read God's word. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 1. 
This is the last sermon from Mark chapter one. And we are planning a huge celebration. 2036, when we finish the gospel of Mark, we're gonna have like a carnival and a celebration, share testimonies, it's gonna be great. But this is from Mark chapter one. We're gonna look at verses 40 through 45. This church is the word of the Lord for us today. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will, so be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. You can grab a seat. So in our passage today, a leper comes up, not a leopard, kids. A leper, somebody suffering from this affliction, comes up to Jesus and calls out for help. Now, leprosy is a disease that exists today, and, and medically it's called Hansen's disease. It's caused by a certain strain of bacteria, and it spreads through close contact and through droplets. Even today, there are 200,000 cases across the world diagnosed each year. And while it is treatable by modern antibiotics, part of the issue in eradicating this from our world today is that finding people and administering care to them is quite a challenge because a number of these individuals today live in obscure or hard to reach places. It causes significant suffering. Painful boils, skin lesions, it affects both the skin and the, the nervous system. It makes you incredibly susceptible to other diseases, so they often compound. It is contagious, painful, and often deadly if left untreated. Now in the Bible, if you're familiar with scripture at all, you'll know that there's a number of instances where leprosy comes up. And in the Old Testament, the term, and in the New Testament, the term that is used to describe and talk about leprosy is is understood to be a generic skin condition. It's not necessarily more than likely talking about the modern Hansen's disease that we have today, but it does come up a number of times. Um, even in the Old Testament, Miriam, Moses' sister, suffered from leprosy. Naaman, Gehaz, who is Elisha's servant, King Uzziah. And what's interesting is that in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, Israel is given a lot of parameters and rules and regulations for how to deal with this contagious skin disease issue. 
And if you're new to faith or you're new to church and you read something like Leviticus, it can seem like something from another planet. What in the world? God's got all these rules and regulations for, for germs and clean and unclean and you gotta be removed from people and you gotta offer sacrifices. What does all of this mean and how does this fit into the message of Jesus? Well, in the Old Testament, God is gathering, forming, and shaping a people for himself who are a nation. So as a nation, they require rules and regulations and some form of medical oversight. So rather than God saying, hey, it's okay, I'm only interested in spiritual things. He says, no, I am interested in you in totality. So let me make rules and regulations that deal with this skin disease and, and other types of things like that. So God gives them regulations so that they can have a healthy and functioning and fair society. But here's the important point that I want you to know when it comes to this issue in the Old Testament. God never gives Israel or her priests a way to make these people clean, okay? You see, what would happen is a person would be suffering from a disease and then they would have to go away and they would come back. They would go away and offer some sacrifices and they would come back. And the priest's job was to evaluate, to look and say, show me your hands. Show me the back of your hands. Show me your legs, show me your back. And at some point, if the disease had been cured by the human body, if God had delivered this person, then the priest could pronounce them clean. But there is nothing in the Old Testament about how a priest can make a person clean. They simply recognized it. It was a significant, socially significant, medically significant issue in the ancient world. And what we see here, amazingly from the Gospel of Mark, is that Jesus touches the unclean man and makes him clean. I mean, Think about what we read. This man who is suffering from leprosy ought to be far away. He has been ostracized. He is supposed to be outside of the cities. And he is desperate because he is hurting and he hears that Jesus is coming. So what does he do? He breaks all social norms. All of the expectations that have been placed upon him he ignores those and he comes to Jesus. It says that he came to him, that he implored him. That means he begs Jesus. He kneels down before him, a sign of submission and of utter dependence. He has no other source of hope apart from Jesus. We don't know how long this man was suffering in this way. We don't know what other options he explored to find health. But more than likely, it had been a while. He is desperate here. Months, maybe even years, 
of being reliant on handouts and begging. He can't have a job. He can't be with his family. He can't enter into society. He has been pushed to the margins, left utterly alone. It's possible that this man hasn't been touched in years. And he comes and he breaks all the rules and he comes right into this center of a population and he hears that Jesus is there and he calls out. He says, Jesus, I know that you can make me clean. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus' power and authority. He knows Jesus can do this. The question is, will he? The question is, in essence, Jesus, do you, do you care enough about these kinds of things? Are you gonna care enough to do something for me or are you gonna be repulsed by me like everyone else? If you will, if you want, if you desire, if your heart, Jesus, is inclined to help me, I know that you can do everything. I know that you can make me clean. He knows that Jesus has the power and the ability. The question is, does he have the desire? The question is, Jesus, how do you feel about unclean people? He asks, and gracious, compassionate, and merciful Jesus speaks. And he says, I will. So he stretches out his hand and he touches the man. This was not allowed in this day and age. You can't touch somebody who has this kind of disease. But Jesus has all power and authority. And so he reaches out his hand in grace and in mercy and he puts it upon this man and he heals him in an instant. In the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, we're told that this man was covered with leprosy. Jesus touches him, says a word, and this man is instantly healed. I mean, think about this from a scientific or a biological level, what is happening here. Jesus doesn't simply give him some herbs, a good tonic, you know, some vitamins and nutrients and minerals and a diet routine and a, and a whole therapy program to follow and then says, listen, your body's gonna heal itself. No, Jesus speaks with authority and the man is instantly healed. So his skin is restored. These boils, these wounds, the brittle bones that come with this, the diseases that have, he has caught from a lack of immunity, all of this in a second is cured. And the man is perfectly whole again. Jesus turns to the man and says, I want you to go to the priests and I want you to go as a proof to them so that they can recognize that I have made you clean. 
You see, Jesus is concerned not only with his physical healing, but also with his reintegration into society. If Jesus didn't say this and the man just hopped, skipped along throughout the city, there's a good chance he would have been executed. People will say, you're still unclean. What are you doing? So Jesus cares not just about his physical ability, but about his social connectedness. He sends him to the priests to make sacrifice. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And you're gonna notice this a number of times. Jesus kind of saying, hey, don't worry about that. You don't need to go spread the word. Why? Well, in part because there were so many expectations about what and who the Messiah was going to be and be about. There were so many expectations that it's in essence Jesus saying, listen, I'm going to do my own PR. I will teach you who I am, why I've come, and what I'm going to accomplish. And then we notice something fascinating here in the text. I want you to notice this. What happens here is that Jesus and the leper switch places. Look at what it says. The man goes out in verse 45 and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. So what happens? Jesus could no longer openly enter the town, but was out in a desolate place. Who should be outside of town and in a desolate place? The leper should be. The leper has come into town. Jesus has healed him. Now Jesus is driven out into the desolate place. He has switched roles with this leper. And people have gathered from all around to seek him out from every quarter to experience his power, his authority, and his mercy. It's an incredible account, miraculous. You see, Jesus' miracles reveal to us a number of things. It reveals to us his heart, his heart towards broken, hurting, and unclean people like this. It gives us a glimpse of the coming kingdom of God. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like, what, what it feels like to live under God's rule and reign? It's wholeness, it's health, it's healing, it's joy. His miracles serve to authenticate and validate and to reveal who he is. He is the son of God come in the flesh. He is Israel's Messiah. He has come to do battle with Satan, to overcome death and sin and hell and to usher in the kingdom of God. His miracles reveal so much to us and it shows us that there is no one like Jesus. But what we have here in this text is a beautiful and vivid reminder. Because what Jesus does physically here, he's going to do spiritually. What Jesus does physically here for this leper, he can do spiritually for you today. 
You see, Jesus welcomes the unclean and makes them clean. Jesus welcomes the unclean and makes them clean. He did it physically for the leper, and he can do it spiritually for you today. You see, we are all unclean. Whether you like to admit it or you don't. Whether you recognize it or you don't. Whether you feel it or you don't. Say, Devin, I'm not unclean. I'm not unrighteous. I'm not sinful. I'm a pretty good person. Granted, that may be true. God is perfect and God is holy. We fall short of his standard. How short? Well, let's talk about that. Ten commandments. God gives us ten. Um, you shall not lie. How you doing on that one? You the kind of person who tells the truth? Generally, I'm sure you probably are. Very unlikely that you're a compulsive liar. Maybe you're the kind of person who's so meticulous that when you do your taxes at the end of the year, the IRS sends you a little note and says, wow, this is, this is why I got into this field. I appreciate your meticulous notes, your integrity. You're really something. But when it comes to interpersonal dynamics and relationships, it's very easy to shade the truth when we're trying to protect ourselves. Like maybe there's somebody who's been trying to have you over for dinner for a long time. And you're thinking to yourself, it's not happening. Because I saw what you brought to the last potluck, and I'm not touching that. And you find them uncomfortable and strange. And so you just keep putting it off. But rather than being clear and honest with your words, you're always making excuses. Some of us lie to protect our reputation. Some of us lie to not let people down. You shall not lie. Have we all failed that? Yes, we have. You shall not steal, big, small, anything. Have you ever stolen something ever? Of course. That's not good, guys. Oh, for two. Okay, thou shalt not murder. Don't murder people, right? But Jesus goes so much further in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you harbor hatred in your heart, it's like you've already committed the sin. It's the same seed. And under the law, you're guilty. So let me ask you this. Have you ever harbored hatred for someone? Maybe it's somebody you know, or maybe it's a public figure that you would relish an opportunity to see them utterly humiliated. Have you ever hated somebody in your heart? Oh, for three. One other example. You shall not commit adultery. And Jesus goes even further on the Sermon on the Mount and he says, if you lust after a man, if you lust after a woman, it's like you've already committed adultery in your heart. How you doing on that one? And the church gets real quiet. Here's the point. Man, God is holy, we are not. Whether or not you feel unclean does not affect the reality of what scripture teaches us. 
All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul says in Romans chapter three. And even our good deeds that we see, I mean, these are as filthy rags, but here's the good news of the gospel. You are unclean, I am unclean, but despite our sin, despite our rebellion, despite living as if the king of all creation is nothing, despite all of that, He welcomes you. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may not feel it, but you are unclean, guilty before God, but he still welcomes you. But maybe you're here and you feel it. And this has been a story, a part of your journey for a long time, that you feel so utterly Worthless, unclean, broken, and pathetic. Maybe you feel like your past sins define you and have defiled you. That your past sexual sin has left you feeling beyond hope, soiled, worthless, or used goods. Maybe you've been hurt or wounded and you have been made to feel unclean? Maybe you've blown it in your eyes and you've ruined your life? Or maybe your whole life, the dominant message in word and in deed that you have received from those that you love is that you are not enough. That you are worthless. Maybe you're struggling and you think, God must just be so utterly mad at you all the time. Maybe at the end of the day, you just feel so utterly unclean. And because of this, you think that God would never want you. That yeah, maybe you'll squeak into heaven, right? but that God is constantly disappointed in you. And you say, God, do you really love me? Do I have value to you? Would you really care for me? and see me? If that's you, I want you to hear the words of our Lord spoken to the leper, be spoken to your heart. He says, I will. 
be clean. You see, after this encounter, where Jesus cares for this man, he would stretch out his arms again. This time, not to touch a leper, but to be crucified on a cross. And there, in that moment, he takes upon himself our uncleanness and then grants us and gifts us his purity. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. This is the scandal of the gospel. That all of our vile disobedience and wickedness and sin and shame and guilt are taken and placed upon Jesus and his perfection, his pristine record of obedience is gifted to us so that we can come before God, not on our own merit, but on the merit of Christ and recognize that because of Jesus, you can be clean. The sin that separates us from God, that makes us unclean, was taken by Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read this. For our sake, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So do you see what this means for you? That no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, no matter what you feel, our gracious Lord Jesus says, come. He says, I took that sin. I paid for that sin. You're not defined by that anymore. In 1 Corinthians chapter six, man, we have this heavy passage. And if I'm being honest, it's heavy and it's terrifying. Paul lists a bunch of sins. Sins that I struggle with, sins that you struggle with. And he goes so far as to say that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means judgment. That means eternal hell. That those who give themselves and continue in this type of sin will not be saved. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at what he says. He says, the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the thieves, the homosexuals, the greedy, the drunkards, the swindlers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And instantly, I'm hit with a pang to be like, uh-oh. Because I look at that list. I see areas that I struggle But the passage doesn't stop. Paul's not done. 
because he goes on in verse 11 and he says this. Listen to these words. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's who you were. That's not who you are now. You have been forgiven. You have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not who you are. And so many of us walk around with this identity that Jesus has died to set us free from. So what does this mean then, Devin? I am forgiven. I'm, I've been cleansed, I've been sanctified, I've been justified. So what does this mean? Does this mean that I can just go out and sin like crazy? Because is that, is that what that means? Should I continue in sin that grace would abound? No. How can we? How can you? How can I have our hearts opened to see the magnitude, the scandalous amazing and glorious truth that Jesus Christ became sin for you and then act like sin doesn't matter. You see, the confidence though that we get from anchoring our identity in the finished work of Christ is the grounds by which we grow. Because the reality is you're gonna mess up. And if you think this whole thing is based on your own performance, well, what happens when you blow it? What happens when you sin? Well, you are gonna sit there and you're gonna think, oh my goodness, God must not love me. I gotta, God must be so angry with me, so frustrated with me. No. Don't let your sin ever keep you from Jesus. As soon as you feel that, oh, he must not want to hear from me right now, what you need most is to come before him, kneel down before him, and beg him to cleanse you yet again. This is the grounds by which you put to death, as Paul says, the deeds of the flesh. This is the grounds by which you grow in holiness, is the utter confidence that you are not defined by your past, that you are not soiled or defiled or unclean, but that in Christ, in the finished work of Christ, you are a new creation. You have been cleansed. So let's get practical then. Maybe you're here and you have never trusted in Christ. You are unclean before him. A sinner in need of salvation. And what you need to do, what you need to do today is exactly what this leper does. 
He comes to Jesus. He calls out to Jesus. He falls on his knees and he says to Jesus, save me, heal me, cleanse me. So come before him today and call out to him, saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am unclean. And I know that I have no hope apart from Jesus, crucified and raised. And I trust in him. I believe in him. So cleanse me today. but maybe you're here and you are a Christian and you're just struggling and you feel stuck. And these sins and these struggles and this identity that you carry has led you away from God. Let me just encourage you that Jesus welcomes the unclean. So don't run from him anymore. Don't sit there and think, you know, I'm gonna go fix myself up. I'm gonna go get this area of life straightened out. And when I have it all together, then, then I'll come before him. No, do it today. He loved you and gave his life for you while you were his enemy. Now as his child, don't you think he wants to help you in whatever way you're wrestling? May this truth of the compassion and the mercy and the love of Jesus bring joy to your heart. May we be a people that walk in confidence that although we don't have it all together, Jesus welcomes the broken. He welcomes the unclean. And by his grace, he changes them and transforms them. So come to him. Call out to him. Feel his touch and be cleansed.
And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.